Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another installment of The Gist of Freedom is Still Safe. I'm your host, Bill Yasser Shabazz, and I'm dedicated to preserving the legacies of Malcolm X, Dr. Betty Shabazz, and countless others upon whose shoulders we all stand today. At the Gist of Freedom is Still Faith, we aim to empower our listeners with dignity and self-respect as we've taken an oath to empower at least one child. This show is co-produced by acclaimed educator and author, Ms. Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white. Here, we salute those committed to preserving a rich history through literature, the arts, the skill trades, and the humanities. So come on and gather your family, friends, and students to listen online at blackhistoryblog.com and on iTunes at blackhistoryuniversity.com. We thank you for joining us this evening, and we'd love for you to be a part of our discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. That's 347-324-5552. Hello, this is Leslie Gist. Okay, uh, this is Leslie. Uh, I'm listening and looking for Gary and Dewat. Are you on the line? Uh, uh, Dawood. Dawood? Okay. Dawood. Come on. Okay, great. Dawood, could you do me a favor and introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, yes, my name is Dawood Anyabwile, and I'm the <clears throat> illustrator and co-creator of the Brother Man comic series, and also owner of Big City Entertainment. Okay. Aren't you an Emmy Award-winning comic book author? Uh, Yes, I'm an award-winning illustrator, and that was actually for another project. It wasn't for the comic book, but um, that was for a project that I did for the Dalai Lama. However, my credentials um, do range from comic books to film and television production. Okay. Can you elaborate just a little bit? Um, Yeah. Well, actually, um, the primary uh, project that I produced was the Brother Man comic series that uh, my family and I produced in 1990. We introduced it at the Black Expo New York in 1990, and it actually went on to be a catalyst for the contemporary black comics movement. It's actually credited for that. There was was a lot of books that were coming out during that time who also contributed to this movement, and Brother Man, in its, uh, the thrust of what we did in terms of uh, owning and operating and distributing our books, actually set in motion, um, I guess what you would, would say, like, you know, the, the new wave of black comics. You know, not only uh, black characters starring in the books, but owned and operated by black producers. And um, I also went from there to uh, do, working in production studios in New York and Los Angeles and um, and just recently in Atlanta where I worked on various uh, film, games, and television animation doing pre-production art, which would be like character designs, background design, concept art, 
which would be like, you know, designing how um, a project should look, how the camera should move, and, um, you know, pretty much anything else related to uh, the the art of the production before it goes into filming. Wonderful. Uh, What inspired you to get involved with them? And when did you know you had a niche for this type of artwork expression? Well, I guess for me, when I when I think back to it now, I, I think I'm I'm just thankful that I always knew what I wanted to do as long as I can remember. Even going from kindergarten to finger painting, finger painting in kindergarten to um, by the time I was in second and third grade, I, I knew I wanted to draw, and uh-huh. I had a love for comics from the third grade on up. And then when I got into high school, I got into to fine art, you know, fine art training. I got a lot of fine art training, like um, figure drawing, gesture drawing, doing painting, sculptures, and then. But I always wanted to do like animation and things like that. But growing up, you know, we grew up in Philadelphia in the '70s, and during that time, you know, we didn't really know anybody who did animation or really knew where it was where it was done where animation and comics uh-huh. were done. So we kind of had to teach ourselves. And, and, you know, we were doing animation since we were young. And uh-huh. then, um, you know, so throughout the throughout my teenage years, I did get into airbrushing shirts at the mall throughout the 80s, you know, where people would come in and I will put them on a shirt doing caricatures and things like that, which ultimately led to the Brother Man comic book, which was just an extension of, what I was doing in the stores, like, you know, putting people on shirts. I said, hey, well, let's let's create this entire universe. And, yeah. um, and and that's basically how the comic book jumped off from there. Well, who were the African-Americans who influenced you in this area? Well, primarily I say my parents and my mm-hmm. family. Because when I when I was young, my oldest brother who recently passed away, he was doing, I remember him doing animation in our basement when, you know, we didn't know about anybody in the neighborhood doing anything like that. He was doing, like, cutout animation, stop motion, you know, moving the characters little by little and Uh cutting out every little bit and pieces of paper. And, you know, that kind of blew my mind when I was a, a child. And, you know, my brother Guy... He would. He was always into writing, so we used to team up, you know, write, you know, silly stories and things like that, you know, just to entertain the family. And my brother Jason did. Uh, he took over on the filmmaking and photography, and eventually went into like 3D, 3D animation and design work. And my mother was a was a musician. She played the piano, so the house was always filled with music. And my father was an entrepreneur where he had his own um, book publishing company called Black Family Rituals where he wrote books on the black family, including uh, Rites of Passage. Uh, wow. Celebrate, I have to interview celebrate. your father. Is he, can I interview him as well? Oh, no, he, he passed away. Him and my mother passed away between 95, 94 and 96, which is one reason why the Brother Man comic series stopped because it was – it was a major impact to the family at at the time, and 
But he was he was um he was making he broke a lot of groundwork with the material that he was writing, um, and it was pretty well known in terms of writing uh, ceremonies for the black family, and uh, he wrote a, a wedding ritual called the Indoa Eusi. The Emoja Karamu was the unity feast that he wrote. He did the celebration of passing. And, you know, actually a number a number of um, ceremonial booklets. And he was a very, you know, very active in the community. And he was also, you know, big on family, holding families together and doing things with me and my brothers. So that, so to me, that was always kind of like a, um, a no-brainer for us to just work together as a family because that was instilled in us when we were young. How many brothers did you have? I have three, well, I have three older brothers. Like I said, my oldest brother, Mike, passed away about three years ago. And then there's Guy, and then my brother, Jason, and myself. Uh-huh. Now, professionally speaking, who influenced you the most or helped you out as far as your career, as far as African Americans? Um, there, there was a variety of people. I can't really think of one person. If I say outside of my family, my high school art teacher, his name was Bernard Harmon, and he's he since passed away as well. But he was one. Of, he was the first person. You know, like when you're young, you know, you have people who encourage you to draw, but it's different when you actually have a, an art instructor or teacher who takes a serious concern in helping you to develop yourself, and that's what Mr. Harmon did. So I, I spent a lot of time in the art room. I mean, pretty much every day I, you know, I was stayed late with um, the other art students, and we always worked on projects. And we we're basically doing like college level work in high school. That's that's how my teacher was. He he was big on discipline and us staying focused and getting our work completed. So that that helped me when I got out into the real world in terms of staying focused on my work, not giving up, and following through. Uh-huh. So he, he, I always acknowledge him as the main person who really helped me refine my art skills. Do you remember the first day you got paid a check for doing what you do and what you love to do? Yeah. Um, no, I can't really think of the first time because, I mean, I was selling my work as early as fifth grade. You know, I mean, then, then you know, I'm getting, like, lunch money for it. Um, and then by high school, I had started my own, air, I mean, my own T-shirt company. So I was painting shirts and um, silkscreening shirts and, and selling them not only to my friends. I mean, I was doing actual festivals and events and actually taking in clients, like doing family reunion shirts, and I was doing that in high school. So I kind of already had a knack for selling, and then by the time I graduated high school and started doing airbrushing at the mall in, in downtown Philadelphia, I I started to build my own um, uh, business by just dealing directly with the public. So I was always kind of used to getting uh, a return from the public on my artwork. As far as like getting the first big check, that came. I would say that came later on. 
when, hmm, yeah, I think probably when I, it had to have been years after airbrushing when I maybe did a, that first album cover. And then that was kind of like a paid job from a company as opposed to individuals on the street, if that makes sense. Tell us about this album cover. I'm curious. Oh, it was done in uh, about 19, yeah, 1985. It was for Rooftop Records and for the serious hip-hop heads that go back in the day. A lot of people know about the Rooftop. Rooftop was uh, a pivotal place in, in New York, in New York City, that a lot of the hip-hop greats, it's almost like everybody came through came through um, the rooftop at one, one time or another. It was a... a it was a club. It was like a, a club, and it was also a recording studio. And actually, Kumo D was Kumo D was on Rooftop Records, uh, and also his DJ was the one who actually brought me on to do the job that I met through a mutual friend. And the album cover that I did was for a, a collect a collection or a collective of artists that they were pushing to represent Rooftop Records. So I did it. They just wanted me to do, you know, like a random album cover. And in those days, more of the hip-hop records had artwork on the cover. There was kind of like an explosion of underground artwork. And, uh, like, you know, if anybody knew about Mantronics or um, Rocksteady Crew and Just Ice and, and people like that back in the day, there was always this creative... Um, characters and graffiti and stuff like that. Like, I was looking forward to to the new album covers that were drawn. And so mm-hmm. it was an honor for me to to be able to, to jump into the fray and do my album cover. So, you know, I just had, you know, like the party scene, the guy with the chain, gold chains around his neck. You know, you know, I was a young guy, and that was that was the, the vibe on the street. So, you know, I just threw my two cents in there. And it's actually, it's funny now, I run into a lot of people who, who remember that album and they had it, but they did not know that was me. Like, they know about the Brother Man comics, but they didn't make a connection that I was the same artist because that was five years before I did the Brother Man comics. Now, tell us about the characters, in, you know, in Brother Man comics and how you were inspired. Uh, well, the characters, oh, I'm sorry. The, the characters were all kind of an extension of, so I would say uh, uh, they metaphorically represented the types of people and um, the attributes of the people in the community that we knew growing up in Philly. So the main character, Brother Man, whose alter ego is Antonio Valor, and he's a lawyer in this fictitious city called Big City. So everything about Brother Man is, was metaphoric of our life here in America, but it was alternate, you know, it would be like this alternate universe that represents um, that African-American lifestyle, but since it's an alternate universe, it's not African-American because it's a, you just say black characters because they, we, we, we created their own history and where they descend from, which kind of parallels our world. So the characters, Antonio Valor being... Um, the character Brother Man, he represents that guy in the community who is about um, change and he's disciplined. He's um, 
you know, he basically we we were thinking in terms of the men in the community who took care of their families. They took they took care of the children. They were active on the streets, you know, like keeping gangs at the playgrounds and things like that. But they also spend time with their children, and you know, they speak out against the the injustices. So we were saying, you know, well, who writes? You know, we always hear, um, you know, songs about, you know, our moms and things like that. But what about the men in the community who are doing these real things, who are making real changes in a lot of these young kids' lives, but they kind of go to the grave and nobody knows them. Nobody writes songs about them. Nobody's uh, uh, creating characters that are that that are symbolic of them. So the brother man, the brother man character was a a characterization of that attribute, the, the man in the community who is upstanding, the one you can rely on. For all the for all the negative things they say about brothers out here, this this is the antithesis. This is the man who is who is doing and who is inspiring others to do as well wow. because he can't he can't do it all because we didn't want him to have superpowers. We wanted his powers to be him tapping into the powers that we have internally once we recognize that we have it. And he knows he can't do it all. He knows he can die, which actually makes him a true hero because he will get involved knowing that this can be this can be a finite situation for him, but he would do it anyway. And um and what he does, he inspires other people to get involved because sometimes we don't realize you know, when we take a stand, you know, sometimes it's it's easier not to take a stand. It's easier to keep our mouth shut. It's easier not to be seen. But sometimes that one person who who decides they're going to take the helm, they inspire other people to join in and to um, to also become a part of the solution. So that's what the that's what the comic book Brother Man is based on. But there's a whole plethora of characters that surround this character that, you know, are all different types. You know, everybody is not, I, you know, they don't have the same ideals as Brother Man, but, you know, you have some that are for building and you have some that are for, for pulling things down. But the city that he lives in, Big City, we created this big I have a quick question. Oh, yes. Uh, tell me one of your um, favorite or most popular storylines that will, you know, you know uh, represent who he is. Uh, oh, from the comic book? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the origin story, that starts in issue number 10, and we tell how he became Brother Man. And I'm, I'm actually working on the conclusion of that story because we went for two issues, and it's going to end on the book that I'm working on now. But the issues that are out now, it it, it actually goes back into his childhood where you learn about his mother and his father, Leonard Valor and Carmen Valor and their love for each other and how they raised young Antonio Valor, um, you know, basically to to be an upstanding child and an upstanding person, but the focus was more on his parents. And his father was an activist who was basically um, uh, going up against the political system that was actually doing some... uh, pretty underhanded things to lock a lot of the people into a cycle of poverty, but his father saw the future in that, and he was fighting against it. So even some of, some of, the, his, some of his own 
followers or, you know, would, how would I say, uh, uh, not understand what he sees because he's a visionary. So um, basically what we did was kind of paraphrase, it, it kind of paralleled what a lot of the um, activists and those before us had to go through, and then we would kind of take those concepts and we created an epic adventure out of that. Because when we look at Malcolm X and Dr. King and things that they had to go through and how it affected their families, that's what happened with Brother Man's family. And him as a child, he watched what happened with his mother and his father when they were dealing with the system, but they they never gave up. They kept fighting. And and that... I'm sorry, go ahead. What kind of things happened to um, the father? Like, what are some of the things that the father uh, experienced? Like the father, well, the, the father, they, yeah, the father was um, he was going up against this uh, corrupt politician named Emmett Fourflusher, and Emmett Fourflusher did not like the fact that Leonard Valor, who is Antonio Valor's father was basically intervening with his master plan, you know, to lock people in this cycle of poverty. So he, since he had the the police in his back pocket through the money, you know, the the money and the power, he had the father arrested. And this this impacted the family when they took the father out the home. And young Antonio Valor, he just knew it wasn't right. As a child, he said, "This just doesn't. It's, it's not right. Why? Why is it that people that are doing these good things getting locked up?" So he vowed to change it. He said, "I'm going to change this," and that's why he went into the the, the field of law to become a lawyer. And he wanted to work the system from the inside out, so then he can right the wrongs of what he saw his his parents going through. And then dealing with the system, he realized there's a lot of loopholes, there's a lot of red tape, and then he realized, i got to do like they do in the comic books, and I'm going to create this prose called Brother Man, and I'm going to go out in the street, and I'm going to solve some of these problems on my own. So he even questions, if what, is what he's doing right? Is it, I don't know if it's right, but I know i got to do it. So that's kind of like what goes on in the comic book. But there's so many layers to it. You know, my brother, I don't know if he... If you have him on the line, since he's a writer, I'm I'm the visualizer, but Guy actually layers the writing where there's so many levels that um that that's written that um you know the book is based on. So I'm kind of giving you kind of like, like the surface. Okay. So where can we find some of these comic books? You can go to Brother Man Comics C O M I C S dot com and it'll you can click on the link that says store and you'll see the trade paperbacks and trade paperbacks are a collection of the original books because the books have been out of print for 18 years they're collector's edition and a lot of people try and they try to find them because uh they're very hard to find so what we did we collected all 11 books into a three volume trade paperback collection and now I'm working on a graphic novel, which picks up where the 11th book uh, left off, which was the, the completion of the art origin story, which I just stopped when my parents passed away. And that, that altered a lot of, wow. lot of my plans 
at the time. So this is why the, the graphic novel is going to be major when it drops because fans have been waiting years for it, for the conclusion. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow, well, that's great. So now you're the artist, you're the visionary, and he's the writer. Right, my brother Kai does the writing. And how old is, is Kai? Uh, did, I, I don't know, did he call in? Because he, he was supposed to be calling in. I'll, I don't know if he's on the line. Yeah, I'm right here. Oh, okay, there he is. So is that a question for me or for Guy? Leslie, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I'm yes, right I here, 52, if people want to know how old I am. Okay. How old are you? 52. <laughs> well, I I'm think an old really man. Great. That's right. <laughs> well, that's not old. But I think it's great that you two brothers are working together. Um now, do you both live in the same state, or can you now, with all of this modern technology, work from different locations? Uh, well, I'll take that, Dawood. Yeah, we've okay. always, um, you know, after after we, you know, I left away, I left away to go to school. He went away to school. We've never really worked on the book to, on all of our books together because we've always mm-hmm. lived in different states. And so we've always used uh, the technology of the time to to put our projects together. I remember when we first started Brother Man, the, we didn't have email, but we did have the uh, fax, the fax machine. To, so I would write things up. And <laughs> I was living in Delaware, and he and my brother Jason were living in New Jersey. So I would just um, send the send the materials to him via fax and then they would fax things back and then just as 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 years go by next thing you know email becomes available and and now we're up to the point where you can just put things in a drop box and get it real time mm-hmm. and um you know edit it in one second and then the next second you know they're doing what they need to do with it on the on the other end well i think it's beautiful and i salute you both for providing a story you know, especially in comic form, but providing a story that is uplifting, upstanding, and all of those wonderful, empowering, um, uh, you know, uh, levels. I think that it is absolutely fantastic. Do you have children uh, listening as, I mean, reading them as well as adults? Who are your, who's your audience? We have a yeah, broad audience. Yeah, I was going to say we have a, a very broad audience because I believe the, uh, I think Dawood said it earlier about the the layering of the of the writing and the and the presentation of the material. Um, I, I think people can uh, come to it at different uh, touch points in their in their lives. You know, for, maybe for some young kids, just the, the pictures are enough. Um, you know, just when Dawood was sharing the story about um, Leonard Valor and, and taking his stance against um, a lot of corruption, I, there's some older people that, you know, they, they know that story and they recognize it, and it's something they can identify with. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a pretty, I'll say it's a pretty hip story. And so, the, the, you know, the people in, in, the, in the middle generations can, can find something that they can identify with it as well. So yes, it's it's a very broad when when we get to go out to meet people, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not a a it's 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 everybody. It's it's whole families coming, and mm-hmm. and whole 
trying to get a piece of it. Yeah, and I, I was mm-hmm. going to add, too, that because Brother Man came out in 1990, the mm-hmm. children that read Brother Man are working in industry now. They, it's, mm-hmm. it's on to its second generation. So it's it's already proven to be impactful because a generation of artists contact us on the daily saying how Brother Man changed their lives, that they wow. saw possibilities from this from this book. Yeah, I have those comments all on my Facebook page. I have people who email me daily when I'm out on the street. I mean, people actually, I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying this to, to gas anything up. It's just what happens. Some, I've had kids hyperventilate. I mean, not kids, grown men. You're the mm-hmm. one who created Brother Man, you know, because it meant so much to them, especially at the time that it came out. Um, matter of fact, some guy just told me recently that he named his daughter after the main female character, Melody Rich, and he named his daughter Melody after the character in the comic book. And I said, man, that's when you know you're penetrating, when, you, when you're into the American, the American lexicon. You're a part of... So, you know, it's beyond comic books. You know, it be, starts becoming a household word, not just Brother Man, but the secondary characters. Right. And uh, right. so that's the, Oh, I'm sorry. Good. Well, does Brother Man have a girlfriend or a wife or children? No, it's not. You know, so far in the book, the answer is no. He's still flying solo, if I could use that that term. He's just well, very do you focused think he's good? on what he's doing. But he does have a, okay. a good, strong circle of, of colleagues and friends, and, mm-hmm. and that's the reaction that you see uh, in, the, in the book. But not only just the main characters, there's ancillary characters that, that can come in and come out that also have an impact on his life. So he, he's okay. not, sometimes in, in the comic books, you know, you have the hero who's solo and by themselves all the time or maybe just with their one advisor, he, he is still a, a social person and, and a, a person of good nature. You know, he's serious, and, and, and I think Dawood talked about it. it goes back to, you know, like, like our father and the example that he set before us. Our mm-hmm. father is very serious. You know, he's very intellectual, um, but he was also good-natured. He had his, his friends, and they would come over to the house, and when he's with his friends, he's with his friends, but when he's about business, he was about business. Mhm, mhm. Well, I think that's beautiful. And again, you know, we salute you. Um, anything on the horizon with you guys? Well, okay. Well, I'll bring it. I'll bring it. I'll talk, and then I'll bring it to you. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to the Big City Entertainment, uh, we got started with uh, Big City BCE Pressworks. With, stands for Big City Entertainment Pressworks, and it's a startup publishing house. And, in fact, I know Dawood told you the story of our father starting his own publishing company. And so, you know, the apple's not falling far from the tree. Um, and so what, what I've done, I, I'm taking the lead on the, the Pressworks in developing uh, uh, different titles um, of, of books that complement um, the Big City Entertainment experience. Uh, right now we have one title, which is uh, The Cold Hard Cases of Duke Denham, which is in a uh, uh, mini-novel. I, I just call it a novelette form. It's not in a comic book form. It, it, it's just a book you would pick up and read 
but it, it's a character from the Brother Man comic books. He's the district attorney in the comic books. But in this book, it, you, you go back 20, 25 years when he's much younger, you know, a little bit more strapping, and he's a, a private detective in Big City. And so it's just, once again, we, we've taken Big City and we're exposing people to a, a another way of experiencing Big City. And my, my plan for this is that maybe a, a 10 or 12 book series, which brings you up to the graphic novel of which we are, we're working on right now. I'll let Dawu take it from there. Yeah, and then also um, we're working on the graphic novel, which Guy mentioned, which is called Brother Man Revelation, which takes place after issue number 11 where he was a teenager and you um, it kind of ended on a cliffhanger. So we pick it up from where he was a teenager to how he actually trained up, how, how did he find a master trainer, how did he train up, and how did he become Brother Man. And that's going to be a 300-page graphic novel. So this is this is a, a beast of a book that we've been working on. And I also do, um, personally, as Dawood Anyabwile, I do a lecture series where I've spoken at different colleges and universities. I also have a traveling art exhibition called Drawing from the Soul. So, you know, I've, I've presented at Virginia Tech, University of Georgia. I've been to... Um, uh, a location in Harlem and you know a lot of uh, quite a few other places but now we're doing a push on the lecture series and just letting people know you know we're available to come come speak and present because every every time we do a, a presentation it's like students don't want us to leave and we're finding out how many students out there not only want to draw you know because we, we come from other perspectives not just drawing but um, drawing from the soul which is right. how to take your, put yourself out there, because a lot of kids, they draw, but they're drawing, it's, it's mm-hmm. like they're, they're influenced from outward inward. So their work mm-hmm. respects what they see from other people's cultures, and I try to get mm-hmm. them to, to, to create inward outward. Mm-hmm. Look, talk to your parents, mm-hmm. talk to your cousins, t- tell their stories, look at your ancestors, tell their, they need to be, right. they need to be made epic. Right. You know, right. Japanese culture is, is the expression of Japanese culture. And Indian culture is an expression of Indian culture. You need to take your culture and thrust your culture out there to make people admire your history. And right. it's almost like they come up and it's almost like they never thought about that before because we said it's not about wow. comic books for us. For us, mm-hmm. it was about raising consciousness and right. using the, the entertainment medium to put us up there to raise the value of who we are as individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's excellent. And I think um, it obviously speaks to the success of your work, that you're doing something that you're passionate about. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of your culture, your identity, and that you're raising the bar for other young, aspiring comics. Um, comic book writers, um, artists, you know, all of those uh, types of, of areas of professions. Um, now, if, there, if, if our audience wants to contact you, where should they contact you? Well, they, the best way is to go to the website, brothermancomics.com, and like I said, C-O-M-I-C-S, 
And there's a contact uh, link there that will send you the, uh, you know, the email there will come directly to us. And, um, and that also links to BCE Pressworks. Um, okay. Which, which guy, guy is running BCE Pressworks, and I'm running Big City Entertainment, the comic Okay, and it's, it's Guy Sims and Dawood. Dawood, is your last name Sims also? Well, I had to change it. My, my original name, my birth name was David Sims. But uh, eight, 18 years ago, I changed my name to Daoud Anyabwile. So oh, okay. Me and my, yeah, my sons carry my name, but still I'm part of the Sims family. Right, that's beautiful. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to the two of you. I hope to have you back on the show. Um, you oh, have to let us know. Yes, you have to let us know when the um, book is coming out next, the next comic book, and when we can see it, hear it, feel it, and all those great things. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Okay. Bye-bye.